Budgeting part one and two. <laughs> if you have been with the Fitz Group for longer than a year, let's say, you've certainly heard me talk about budgeting. Um, and uh, so often, um, well, Heather and I mentor people inside and outside of this business. And, and what I've come to learn uh, over time is most small businesses are doomed to fail. I think it's something like 90% of small businesses fail in the first year. Of the 10% who survive in the first year, 90% fail in the second year. Um, that's crazy. And, uh, and, and those stats are, are fairly accurate. I, I've, I've Googled the stats before and different um, links will say different things, but you get the idea. Uh, the basic idea is most small businesses fail. Well, we run small businesses and we don't want to fail. So how do we avoid it? That's my question. And that's what I dive into and, and really try to uncover and, and learn and, and, and have revelation about so I can avoid my small business failing and I can help those who are looking to me for leadership, I can help them avoid the, the, the failures in small business. So uh, what I've come to understand is uh, in the first year, I believe small businesses that fail in the first year, they fail because they're not, they don't really have a system down yet. They, they don't really have a good control over their time management, how they're using their time and when they're using their time. And so they fail in the first year. And I know when an agent comes on board with us, I focus so much on getting them into the habit of when are you making dials and when are you running appointments? Let's get into that habit because that's why small businesses fail in the first year. Well, okay, 10% of small businesses succeed in the first year. So what caused 90% of them to fail in the second year. I think it's because they made good money in their first year and they didn't reinvest that money in the second year. And so their business didn't grow. And it in fact went backwards because they, they got a good chunk of money and they decided to live on it a little bit rather than reinvesting it. And if you're going to build a small business, and, and I, I don't apologize ever for repeating about budgeting over and over and over again. If you're going to build a small business, it's important that you have a proper perspective on um, on the money that you got coming in. You know, when you work a nine to five job, um, you 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 work your your two weeks. They give you a check for the two weeks, and and you can go blow that all you want. Go spend it all you want. Now, if you're smart, you're kind of putting some aside for savings and there's always going to be a rainy day and maybe you're investing in, in retirement and that sort of thing. But hey, you know what? Two more weeks, they're going to give you another check. Well, in small business ownership, it doesn't exactly work like that. You don't just get to show up next week and get paid again. You, you, you have to go kill something in order to eat this week. You have to drag it back home and cook it up. And uh, so I, I love teaching about budgeting because it's not something that I was taught. It's something I had to muscle through and make tons of failures and learn from. And because I got through it and I'm on the other side of it and I understand it, I now feel obligated to, to share what I know. And I, uh, I, I will say as a disclaimer, I don't know all that there is to know about money. I feel like I'm learning more and more every day. Uh, and I'm surrounded by some really intelligent people who, who continue to challenge me. But what I'm going to talk about today are the basic things that I believe you need. And you can use this training for any business that you want to start, but it's specific to our business. Uh, and so we're going to uh, start off talking about the part one is the basic budgeting for your business. And part two is going to be how to properly work yourself out of the field. 
Uh, in our business, we have the opportunity to go out and sell, and that's quick money, easy money. Uh, but then you also have the opportunity to hire and train other people to do the same thing. That's a longer play uh, as far as making the money there. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, you're playing the longer game when you're, when you're playing that game. But it is the bigger money, and it's the money that companies will, will pay you for. Uh, they'll buy your company because you built that, that second side. So one of the real questions that I get asked a lot is, how do I step out of the personal production field and focus only on building? So I'm going to talk about that as well. So let's start with part one. <coughs> Here's some quick tips I'm going to start with, and I'm going to try to be quick with them. Uh, it, when it comes to budgeting your money, you need to increase your gross. Uh, so many people ask me, how do I budget my money? I say, well, step one, first you need to make money. Then step two, we can budget it. Uh, the ways uh, to increase your gross is with personal sales. Uh, I, I really do believe that somebody who's full-time in this business should be knocking out 20000 issue paid a month. Uh, I really do believe that. Now, maybe your personal finances don't require that. Mine didn't. When I was in the field, I didn't require that I issue twenty thousand a month in personal production. Uh, mine was less. I issued about thirteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand a month. Uh, but I, generally speaking, uh, if you want to make a little bit more money, you, you just make a few more sales. Just one or two more sales a week increases your money ridiculously. When you recruit agents, get them started. Uh, that'll increase your gross fast. Is uh, it, it doesn't actually make any money to run an ad and hire somebody. You've got to get them started, get them making sales. Then they're making money. And when they make money, you also get to make money. Number two, quick tip, manage your lead flow. Don't order more than you need. Don't be a lead junkie. Track numbers and only pass out to profitable agents. So let me summarize this by saying some people think they can fix a sales problem by buying a lot of leads. And um, like a friend of mine said, uh, his dad uh, left his, him and his, his mother uh, and when, he was, when my friend was young, and his dad just kept moving around, moving around, moving around. And, and one day my friend asked his mom, why does dad keep moving? And his mom said, because wherever he moves, he shows up. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So if you don't fix the root, if you don't take an ax to the root of the problem, that problem is going to keep growing. It's going to keep popping up. And you can blame the leads. You can blame the market that you're in. You can blame the competition. But if you don't start blaming yourself and figure out how to fix it, you're just going to keep buying leads and become a junkie. And, you know, 30, 40 years in the industry, you're still going to be looking for a good lead source. And that's depressing. Don't be that guy. Number three, manage your new business. Make sure that clean apps are going in. Work your pending and conditionally issued. Uh, we had did a team call last night, and one of our more experienced agents was saying that this week wasn't a great production week and submission of production, submitting the production, but he got a lot of business issued. He was working his pending and getting forms signed and following up and getting things taken care of. I said, you know what? That's a piece of the business that we maybe don't talk about enough, but you've got to get business issued. Uh, and, and it's easier to get business issued when you're sending in cleaner applications on the front end, making sure everything's filled out, making sure all the forms are in, making sure all the, the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted. A lot of times when people ask me about staff they should hire, I say, you should hire staff to check your business that you're submitting and then to follow up on it because that is a solid part of making money here is making sure good business goes in and making sure that it gets issued quickly. Number four, quick tip. Don't spend money too quickly. Delayed gratification. It never hurts to save money. Had a, a mentor of mine 20 plus years ago, he's still a mentor of mine, said to me, look, Fitz, when, you're, when you see a significant change in your income, don't change your lifestyle for at least a year. When you see a significant change in your income, don't change your lifestyle for at least a year. 
See, small businesses that fail after, the, after succeeding in the first year, they got that money, they bought a new Corvette. They, they got that money, they bought a new house. They got that money, they, 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 they bought a boat. And then the second year, they didn't invest in their business, and it failed. You, you, you got you to gotta let the, the new norm sort of settle out before you can really decide how your lifestyle can change. I'm not saying you got to live like you're poor all your life, but I'm do, I do say don't change, don't improve your lifestyle too quickly, or you are going to be lacking the capital that you need to invest back into your business. Number five, work hard and smart. Our first hire on staff was Joanne. Uh, we were running $200,000 a month when we hired her. Now, in retrospect, I wish we had hired somebody sooner. She happened to be great timing, and, I'm, and she's been an absolute blessing to our business. But uh, we, we were working our butts off when we hired her. Heather and I were both working. I was working 80 to 100 hours. Heather was working easy 60 to 80 hours a week. We were working our butts off. Some people hire staff because they don't want to work. I think when you hire staff, it should multiply your effort, not replace your effort. <laughs> that makes sense? It's not a substitute. It's a multiplier. So I believe there's 24 hours in a day. Let's just say that I only have 24 hours in a day. Let's, let's just all agree with that. Now, if I want to add another day to my life every day, that'd be three staff members working eight hours a day. Because I'm continuing with my 24 hours, and now I've got eight, 16, 24 more hours. I've just doubled my productivity because now instead of 24 hours in a day, I've got 48. That's how it should work. It shouldn't be, I have 24 hours in a day, so I hire somebody now, I only have 16 hours in a day because they're doing eight. That, that's, that's not helping you advance, it's helping you maintain. You're not swimming, you're treading water. Very different outlook. I mean, just look at the Olympics. The people who tread water don't tend to win the medals. <laughs> All right, so here's my early playbook. I oftentimes, when I show this, people come back to me and they go, I disagree with what you did. I go, well, that's the thing about history, is whether you agree with history or not, it's still there. And uh, you, you, can't, you can't rewrite it. This is what I did. And uh, whether you agree with it or not, I'm teaching it because it's what I did. So I'm going to walk you through a basic formula. You take your gross income. For those who don't uh, have a mastery of accounting terms, and I'm uh, a novice at best, gross income is the income that you made before any expenses were paid out. So it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the money that you made. Let's just say for this example, that's $1,000. Your gross income, $1,000 this week, this month, whatever. It's $1,000, right? Now, the first thing I did was pay my lead bill. Now, I spent a lot of time thinking about this and, and praying about this, honestly, um, about how to do my budget. I didn't necessarily have somebody as an example to follow when I first got started because the people I was following were sort of new too. And so I decided that an essential bill in my business was paying my lead bill for me because I didn't have a bunch of current clients to work. I didn't have a bunch of referrals yet. I needed the leads in order to go make a living. And as I started hiring other agents, I needed leads so, so they could make a living. So I, I, I had to pay my lead bill first. Uh, $1,000 gross income, you pay your, your leads of $300. I'll show you in a minute how that formula really works. So you're left with 700 bucks. The next thing I did was tithe 10%. That's 70 bucks of 700. I, I didn't tithe on 1,000. I, I didn't pay my lead bill. I thought, felt like that was essential. If I didn't have that lead bill, I wasn't going to have that 1,000. So it, it, and, and some people go, well, I believe you should tithe on, okay, man, whatever you want to do. It's, 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 it's just you. I'm just saying what I did. I tithe that 70 bucks. Now, uh, some people say, well, I don't really believe in uh, tithing. I go, I, I don't care. That's what I did. Um, and, 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 and 
do you agree that in order for a plant to grow, it first must have a seed planted? <laughs> do you agree with that? Do, do, you, do you agree that, um, that there, are, there are things out there, like when you, when you have money coming in, if it's not going out also, you stop a flow of money. And I don't know why this is. I just know it is. Uh, for me, tithing was, was really a, a very personal and spiritual decision. Uh, but I also know people who don't agree with my uh, spiritual beliefs, my faith. They don't agree with it at all. But they do agree that when money comes in, you do have to give it. When money comes in, you do have to give it. It's not saying you can't buy nice things, but you do have to give too. And maybe you don't belong to a church or a synagogue or whatever where you're going to give money to. Uh, maybe, but the uh, American Heart Association could use some money for research. American Cancer Society, uh, juvenile diabetics. I mean, there's lots of great places out there to give that money. I'm just saying, be in a place to do that. You don't want to make a lot of money and be a jerk, right? I, I, I want to make a lot of money and do good with it. Not just store it up in my basement like Scrooge McDuck and swim around in it. I want to, I want to benefit others around me with that. And, and I promise you that the more you do that, the more attitude you have like that, the more you're going to attract money. It's just the craziest thing. I just believe by doing this, I'm saying that money doesn't control me and it's not my most important thing in my life because I'm just giving it away. That's, that's just what I do, okay? I also would save 10%. Now, uh, initially, I was uh, running up a lot of debt on credit cards, and then the credit cards uh, stopped um, in that they had no more limit, or they just canceled me because I wasn't paying my bills. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the 10% savings was essential because I needed a cushion. Uh, I was talking to an agent just this week about uh, chargebacks. In our business, sometimes a client cancels the policy six months down the road, and, uh, and we were given a nine-month advance. That means the insurance companies are going to take back the three months that weren't earned. You get to keep the six. But the three months are going to take back. If you're not prepared for that, you could be out of business before you really get started. So I was told early on to, to just save a portion of every commission check. Just set it aside because eventually you're going to need it. It's business. You're running a business here. This is not about running your personal finances. You're running a business. And Walmart, every year, their theft, if you took the theft of Walmart and built a company, theoretically, out of it, that company would be a Fortune 500 company. Walmart plans for it, so Walmart's not out of business because <laughs> they know theft is going to happen. For them, actually, theft mostly happens from their employees, which is sad. But you save, you put some of that aside. Now, I, I had a mentor say, why are you saving money? I go, because I, I, I might need it. I'm going to need a cushion. I, I, I need a safety net here. And he said, well, why don't you just put money towards a credit card? I said, because I can put money towards a credit card. And he said, well, then you could just charge it again if you need it. I said, no, that's, not, that's the thing, is I can't put money towards a credit card and charge it again because they've canceled my card. <laughs> so I can pay off that debt, yes, and that would be great. It helped my credit score. But I can't use the card again because they canceled me. And he's like, oh, I get it. So that's why I was putting money in savings. It wasn't savings like a piggy bank or like I'm planning for retirement. It was cushion for my business. And the rest is what I built my business with. So in this example, if I got paid $1,000 this week, I had a $300 lead bill, I tithed 70 bucks, I, I saved 70 bucks, I had 560 bucks left outside of my lead bill to build my business. Well, Fitz, what about taxes? Trust me, when you're making that a week, you don't have a lot of tax issues. Um, <laughs> well, well, what about, what about, what about, I'm just saying, what about groceries? Well, I mean, I feel like in order for me to be alive to build my business, I also have to eat. So yeah, some of that money would go towards eating because eating is important to living, right? Okay, so let's move on. Division of gross. 
this is a rough estimate. A third of your gross commission would be leads. We just showed that a second ago. $1,000 gross commission, $300 in leads. 1,000 is other overhead, and 1,000 is, uh, excuse me, a third. A third, a third, a third, I was saying 1,000, but a third leads, a third other overhead, and a third profit. I've had people say, so you're saying if I make $100,000, I'm only taking home 33000 And I go, yeah. See, it's different mentality than the job mentality. At a job, if you make $100,000, you're not taking $100,000 home either. They take taxes out of that and all that sort of stuff. Maybe you're taking home sixty. Well, I would be better off having a job. Maybe. Maybe. But, but I, I, I don't know many jobs that pay million dollars. It's really hard to find a job that pay 500000 Right? That those, those aren't easy jobs to find. And so I, I was building a business. You're watching this still because you're building a business. And if you're a business that profits 33%, that's off the charts amazing. The most profitable businesses, you know, when you're a small business, if you don't treat it like a big business, you're never going to have a big business. So you have to have that, keep that perspective while your business is small. Always measure it against what does IBM do? What does Amazon do? What does is, what is Dell Computer, what does Microsoft, what, what do these massive companies do uh, with their money? Well, I mean, <laughs> about 10% profit is the best they're going to run. So again, it's about perspective of I have a small business. Now, here's the thing. You're in control of this money. You want to take 95% profit and go to, to Disney World with your kids for the week? Go do it, man. You're in control of it. Just understand what you have just eliminated is investment into the future of your business. So f there's been periods of time when I've, I've, I've tried to, to keep a, a solid profit coming in. There's other times that I've really tried to invest huge in my business, and so my profit pie here, it goes down to I've, I've had it down pretty low, pretty low. Uh, and, and I've invested more in the other overhead or invested more in leads. Uh, I'll break those two down in just a second. But you're in charge of how much profit you want to take. But if you're going to build a business, you can't think of it like I have a job that, that I worked and made 100000 and they only paid me 33000 of that. You can't think of it like that. You've got to think of it as I'm building a business. The business I built doesn't restart every two weeks, doesn't restart every year. It's building on itself, and it should grow. So, yeah, your first year you made $33,000 or $100,000 gross income, but, but in year five you made a million dollars and took home you know, 400000 1000 500000 Maybe you made $2 million and took home a million. Like it starts getting crazy at some point with the profit, but in the early days you have to invest. <laughs> I'm fired up about it because I've had conversations with people just in the last couple of weeks. Like you've got to invest in your business if you want your business to grow. So when it comes to leads, that third of it that's the leads, pursue all the lead types. This is a bunch of leads that we have. There's, we got internal leads. We got external leads. I was just talking to a, an agent yesterday about a new lead source that's coming out that you know that he's going to try out and test it out. I'm all for that. I'm, I'm all for testing out the different leads. What I'm not for is being married to a certain type of lead. I'm married to Heather. I'm not married to a lead. I'm not married to an insurance company or an insurance product, which means that if there's another lead that's working, I'm willing to try it. If there's, if there's a, a company that, that takes away that product I was in love with and, and now I've got to learn a new product, well, I shouldn't have been so sold on that one product. I should have known more of the products. Same with leads. It's okay to try other leads. Uh, you will find some that are your favorite, but, but don't be that guy that says, I don't work this type of lead. I can't stand this type of lead. You've got to have the perspective on leads of a lead is an opportunity to sit down with a family that needs your help. 
It's an opportunity. It's not a sale. If it was a sale, they, we wouldn't need you. <laughs> it's an opportunity. And that's what you've got to look at it as. Some opportunities are better than others. But I, I was in the door-to-door world, man. So when I saw my first lead, which ended up being a really crappy lead, I didn't know any better. I thought, this is somebody who's asked me to buy insurance from me. I, this is awesome. <laughs> Keep your lead bill manageable. Teach your agents referrals. The lead system is there to supplement the agent's activity. Be quick to see problem agents and stick to your guns. Problem agents. What I mean is people who are trying to buy leads to, to overcompensate for their lack of sales ability or their lack of system when it comes to making dials or booking appointments, their lack of scripting, their, their lack of coaching, right? So you really have to manage all of that and make sure that it's working well. Now, uh, most of the leads that our agents buy, I don't have any expense in. It's all on them. But, but here's the thing. If, if I want to be profitable as a leader, an agency builder, if I want to be profitable, it's easier for me to be profitable if I'm teaching the people following me to be profitable. Did you follow that? If I want to be profitable, it's easier for me to be profitable if I'm teaching others to be profitable as well. So referrals are a must. Having a proper perspective on the lead system. When I'm hiring agents, the lead system is an opportunity, but it's not the opportunity. It supplements what our greater opportunity is. Other overhead. Oh, let me go back to the, to the, to the leads, man. I, I mean, I know, I know people who spend $1,000 a week on leads, and the, the, the production ends up being $10,000 a week in production. That's how it all plays out. Uh, I've had people say, how much should I invest in leads? It depends on how much you want to make, right? Uh, I'm not saying don't buy a lot of leads. I'm saying you need to have perspective on what those leads are going to do for you. Uh, if you're getting $100 worth of leads, that should turn in minimum to 1000 in premium or at least 500 in commissions. And if you're not seeing those numbers, you have a bigger problem with your sales process that no lead is ever going to fix. We've got to address the root of the issue, not try to buy leads to fix it. But at the same time, if there ain't nothing wrong with your sales system and you're spending $1,000 a week on leads, you should be running 10000 in premium a week. You're making a ton of money, man. And I'm not against that. Be clear. Other overhead. Training expenses. You got to invest in yourself. The, the, the number one investment I make every year is in me and how I can improve me because who I am today is way better than who I was 20 years ago. Uh, I, I, I so often wish that the leaders that are with me today, that have been with me 10, 15 years, I wish you could have seen me 20 years ago. I wish you could have seen the team that I had around me 20 years ago. And it would give you so much hope because <laughs> you're like, wow, yeah. I got better. I had to because what I was doing the first five years sucked. And the last 15, 16, 17 years have been way better because I improved me. Because I improved me, I was in a better position to talk to others and attract a better quality person. Uh, recruiting ads, just to get the width going, right? You need to invest in Craigslist, ZipRecruiter, Monster, resume searches, on and on and on. There's a, there's a thousand different things. People ask me all the time, what, what ads should I run? What, is there a site that I should use? Man, just go Google. Google uh, job uh, websites. You know, um, Google um, employment websites. Just to see which, I, last time I did that, I put, there was a, the first link was the 50 best sites to advertise on. I don't know, man. All of it works a little bit. Don't underestimate the accumulation of a little bit. 
Nothing is the silver bullet. Nothing is the magic elixir. All of it works together. So run ads in all of it, man. Uh, I know this, that when you're running ads and you're trying to hire off those ads, it's going to cost you about 200 bucks to hire somebody to get a licensed agent contracted with us. About 200 bucks. And people go, whoa, yeah, that's not a lot, man. 200 bucks is great because that person makes a sale. You just made your money back on the whole ad, <laughs> right? You made your money back on that person. No problem. Um, it's, but, but listen, when you start talking not just to the advertisements, but you talk to people that know people, you're going to find a better quality person when you hire a quality person because that quality person knows other quality people. You'll find better quality people in their circle of influence than you did off of just an ad. Now, we find good people off of ads. We find better people through referrals from the good people. And when you start incorporating that, now your cost per contract gets down to like $30, $40, It's nothing, right? Okay. Office space. Check up line. Don't sign a lease longer than a year. As a mentor of mine 20 years ago gave me that advice. I do appreciate um, uh, having an office I wish I'd gotten an office a little bit earlier. Uh, I think some people think they have to have like this big, glorious office. We have a nice, big office here. It's beautiful. Uh, I, it's too much for me at this point. Um, and, and if I was just getting started over again, I'd have a little room with a desk in it. That's all I'd need. But it's a separation away from home and the distractions there. I can just go someplace and work. Staff. Do you need staff or are you just lazy? When you hire staff, fill your weaknesses. When possible, pay based on performance. Um, you know, when you, people worry so much about hiring staff, and I don't know if I can afford them, if you hire staff that, that you then can't afford, you should fire that staff. Why? Because the staff you hired should be paying for themselves, or they're not a good investment. The staff I have, I make more on them than I pay them. Shh, they're listening. But they get paid well, don't worry. <laughs> But it has to be like that in order for the business to grow. Because if I made less on them than I was paying them, then it's a bad investment. i got to cut that investment. It's costing me money. Part two. Getting out of the field. This is going to be a lot faster than part one. So I had a mentor 20-plus years ago who said, man, when you're making $10,000 a month in overrides, that's when you can step out of the field. And I said, got a question. What if I need $15,000 a month? <laughs> I'm going backwards, right? So uh, a better way of thinking of it is you need to add up all of your expenses, both personal and business, anything in your life that pulls money out of your account. Um, it could be a house payment, a lead bill, a, a, a Craigslist ad, uh, um, the electric bill, you know, whatever is costing you money. Add all that up. That's, that's what you got to get covered. That's the chunk you got to make sure is covered every month. Now, I, I'm telling you, that's 100% of your personal, uh, of your expenses right there. And you've got to cover it by personal production. Because you don't have overrides yet. But that's your expenses you've got to cover. If you don't, you end up living under a bridge. And it's only good for trolls. <laughs> so, whatever this number is. Now, one of the things I did was, Heather and I made sure that we kept our expenses as low as possible. So, we didn't have to cover as much on expense side in order to make a profit okay but what you're going to start doing is you're going to start adding overrides to this so in this example uh, as your overrides start to increase your personal production needs reduce see how your overrides are covering 20 percent <coughs> of your expenses which means the other 80 percent needs to be covered by your personal production just that simple 
how do I track that, Fitz? On your commission statement, you know, the business that's written by somebody else, that's your overrides, and the business that's written by you is your personal. You can just add it all up and kind of divvy it up and see what's what. It's, it's not hard to track. At this point, you're almost out, but not quite. This is where most builders make their mistake. See here, we got about 70% of your expenses are covered with overrides, which is awesome. When you get to that point, you're going to feel rich. But there's this other 30% that you're covering with personal production, and if you don't cover it, you're going to be in the hole. And people get to this place, and they wonder why their business is going backwards. And I say, it's because you got rid of that. You got this plus this, and you're thinking, I'm rich. You're almost but right now you still need that or you're done. You're out of business. They step out of the field too early and can't figure out why they're going in a hole financially. When you're here, listen, to me, there's lots of definitions of rich and success and all that sort of stuff out there. I think when your business is covering your expenses and you don't have to go out there and personally produce in order to make that happen, I think you're rich. But I don't have a boat and a jet and all that. <laughs> Decide your definition of rich. But for me, once I was in a position where my overrides on, my, on the agents I was hiring and training and getting them making money, when my overrides were covering my bills and giving me more money to invest in the future growth of my business, rich at that point. I don't care what the IRS or any CPA says about what the definition is. Now your overrides are 100% of your monthly needs. At this point, keep personally producing for another three months and you're out for good. And I've had people say, at that point, Fitz, how, do, how much do I need to produce for the next three months? As much as you want in your savings account, as much cushion as you want. I would say when you get to the point where your overrides are covering all of your expenses, try to go a little crazy for the next three months. Try to go out and, I mean, knock out forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 in personal production a month if you can. Just try it. Why not? Because then you're out for good. Then you got cushion, and the good months, bad months, they don't affect you because you got that cushion. You got the money there, and the overrides are continuing to grow, and you're out of the personal production field. You have now done what so many small business owners in the world hope to do, and that's have a job and take the money and time and invest it over here in building a business and eventually get rid of this job so that what you're doing is 100% business ownership, not job. A lot of small business owners dream of that. We had that opportunity here. It's just all under one umbrella of selling insurance. For me, selling insurance was the job part. That paid my bills. It gave me money to invest in this business I was trying to get up and off the ground. But as soon as this business was covering all my bills, I quit my job and focused on building my business. My job was selling insurance. Your choice. I hope that helps. If I can help you, if you want to talk about it, go to timewithfits.com. You'll see my calendar options there. Just book a time or shoot me a text. Or, or if you're part of our group, send me a Slack. Whatever, man. Just I want to help. I make money by helping you make money. <laughs> so let me do that. I uh, hope that helps, and uh, let's talk soon. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.